so I had this, like, I made this, like, I'll never be able to have reached this dream. But when I really wrote it down and added it up and looked at like, you know, not like, you know, the Elton John dream of like, you know, seven houses and, you know, a house in Saint-Tropez and it was, but like the next thing, like, what was the next thing that you wanted? And I looked at that and I was like, oh, it's really not that much. And it motivated me to say, I think I can do this, you know? Are you looking for freedom? Freedom from the daily grind and hustle? Or just finding a way to live the life you always wanted? Then join us on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Our host, Mike Ayala, will help you discover new ways to find freedom with tips, insights, and interviews. You'll learn the exact systems he's used to travel the world and live his best life. True success and happiness are all about freedom. And here's your roadmap on how to find freedom on your own terms. Welcome to the Investing for Freedom podcast. Here's your host, Mike Ayala. Thank you for joining me on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Today, we have a returning guest, Rob Murgatroyd, who I am so excited to have on the show and to bring you this episode. Rob moved his family to Italy, and this was one of the most downloaded shows that we ever did, the previous one. And I think it's because he's got such an amazing story and just the way that he lives his life. Um, this guy was a chiropractor, surrounds himself with amazing, uh, just super successful people, moved to California, shut down his chiropractic practice, and him and his wife have just always loved Italy. They ended up moving to Italy, and now they are just immersed in that life. And I'm not going to take a bunch of thunder from the story because we will get into it. But I decided to bring Rob back because number one, he's become a great friend. Number two, again, you guys love the show. But number three, um, he is really just settling into that Italian lifestyle. And I think that there is a bunch that we can learn from slowing down. This is the Investing for Freedom podcast. And I think most of us are chasing that freedom. And we typically think that that is just a financial freedom number, but really it's not. And like I talk about so often here, I think there's a bunch of different forms of freedom, geographic freedom, relationship freedom, time freedom, financial freedom. And Rob just exemplifies all of that. So let's get into the episode. I hope you enjoy it. And without further ado, here's Rob Murgatroyd. Mr. Rob Murgatroyd. Thanks for being back on the show, man. I'm really excited about this one. I am more excited than you are, probably. Well, that's good. Now it's always it's always good to have a, a an excited competition going on. I love it. <laughs> Karen and I used to always uh, joke around. I'm the most humble one. No, I'm the most humble one. <laughs> Just ask me, and I'll tell you. Yeah, exactly. I love it. Um, well, I'm glad we got our tech figured out this morning. So let's get into it. So, dude, I've got a million questions for you, or maybe at least five or 10. Um, but yep. give us an update. So you've been on the episode before. It's actually one of our most popular episodes, which doesn't surprise me because your story, your and Kim's story is just phenomenal. And this is the Investing for Freedom podcast. And I think people are really, you know, looking for freedom. And I think sometimes we get so focused on the financial freedom and we forget the why. So I mean, that's really what whenever I listen to you, which by the way, I am a stalker of you because I just get so inspired by your stuff. But give us an update where are we at. Thanks, man. I think, you know, the last time, the reason why I reached out um, to want to do this again is because that last interview was so popular. Um, I had so many messages from your community in just the most humble, honest um, of ways. And there's just been some realizations that I've had since the last interview that I thought we can chat about because it it did so well. Um, but for those people who have not listened to the interview, I'll give a little catch up. Um, I was a chiropractor for, uh, 25 years. And if, you know, one more person said to me, their neck or back hurts, I was going to shoot myself. I couldn't, I couldn't do another day. And I always had this dream of wanting to live on the West coast. You know, if you saw like a sun kiss commercial, like that was my life. Like I wanted that life. And for a multitude of reasons, I was just never able to sell the chiropractic practice. And the two main reasons are when you graduate school as a uh, prospective chiropractor, you're buried in debt and you're not going to get a loan for uh, an established practice in, in most cases because you probably have two or $300,000 in debt. And if you are an established chiropractor who's doing very well, you don't need my practice. So, um, and then when you combine it with the third element, which is that 
people go to their chiropractor because they want that guy. It doesn't have much value when you're not the guy anymore. So it was really, really tough. And we tried so hard, you know, so frustrated, you know, for like the last 10 years, I was like, just get me out of this. I want to do something else. Not that there's anything wrong with being a chiropractor. I was just tired of it. I want to do something else. Very monotonous. And one day my wife came home from yoga and she's like, that's it. We're done. I, we're not going to do another day. And I was like, what, what do you mean? She said, well, my mat was talking to me in yoga and we're, we're done. It's, it's, it's over December 31st. Now this was, mind you, this was right around the middle of November. And she said, I don't give a shit if, um, we can't sell it. I'd rather live in a box than do this another day with you this miserable. Hmm. So we agreed that we were going to do it. And, um, she said, and then we put it up for sale and it wound up, uh, we wound up selling it to the chiropractor across the street. That's, that was the, that's how we wound up doing it. Um, which is funny because I didn't even think that guy liked me. Uh, but we, we sold it to the guy across the street and we basically sent our patients over to him and it was, it was good for everybody. And I said, all right, well, we're going to go to LA. And she said, well, I have one request. And I was like, what's that? And she said that we can spend three months in Europe. And I was like, okay, you know, where do you want to go? She said, I've always wanted to try Italy. Mm. So we went and um, it was an amazing three months because that's all you can really, that's all you're allowed to stay. I know you were mentioning your daughter's going to be going to Ireland. And really, unless you're on the student visa or something, all you can, all you can do is three months. And it was, it was a magical three months, man. We were, we felt deeper in love it was life was relaxed. It was happy. Um, and I was in like conflict because I remember talking to an attorney who was here that a friend of mine who I've met here introduced me to. And, you know, I said, if I wanted to stay, like, could I do that? And, but at the same time, I was talking to real estate agents in California, like looking for property there. And, um, it was just this push and pull, but I had my eyes on, going to California and 90 days was up and we went back to, uh, to LA and there was like a sharp change for me from La Dolce Vida, which means the sweet life, right. To La Dolce California, you know, and I just got there and I just felt like I needed to keep up, you know, um, I always felt behind, um, and I wound up booking myself like every minute of the day in an effort to make more money, really make more cash. I started doing coaching and I just wound up getting focused on money and not on life. And one day I came out of a coaching session. I had like two minutes in between sessions and my wife looks at me and she goes, you know what? I said, what? And I, you know how you, you know, the look of your wife. And I said, what? And she said, I like you better in Italy. And I was like, what, what is that supposed to mean? She's like, I like you better. And I had to go back to the coaching call. And then that led to a lot of soul searching and a lot of thinking. So I'll, I'll, I'll pause it there. Cause I know you probably have some questions. Well, yeah, I've, I've got a ton, but I, so I've been thinking about this as I'm listening to you. Um, and I've been noticing, maybe it's my reticular activator activated, but I've been noticing lately a lot of people saying, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Mm. And I'm really curious, just having you know understood and known your journey, um, I've really been troubled by that statement lately, like supposed to do, because I feel like so many people are on this like, um, and whether it's a faith or whether it's a, you know, an idea in their head that we all like, I just don't, I believe that we have like this, like, you know, linear point A to point B path. And I, I get inspired listening to you and listening to Kim and people like you, because I don't know that supposed to is, and I don't think anything's right or wrong, but I'm curious what your thought is. And, and you're the first person that I've asked this out loud. I've just been pondering it for the last few weeks. Like, what do you think of when you hear somebody say that or, or what, what are we supposed to do with this? 
Yeah, I don't think there. I think you're right. I agree with you. I don't think there is a supposed to do. And if and, and if you put me in a box and said, well, there must be, then I would say <laughs> that there's probably a lot of supposed to do's. And I think that, you know, I could I could tell you this over over the ten years of my discontent with my career, um, I spent a lot of time fantasizing and thinking about what would make me come alive. And I did all sorts of things. You know, I used to call it like take a bite out of out of the apple. And if you don't like it, spit it out. You know, and I remember once I went to Ibiza and I saw all these DJs that were like mixing music. And I was like, I wonder what it's like to DJ. And so I hired a DJ and long story short, I wound up doing really good. And then I started putting my mixes on the internet and a local club called me and I started playing in the club and then I wound up touring as a DJ, you know, and then we had a kid and coming home at four o'clock in the morning, you know, uh, after, you know, 20 year olds fist pumping on ecstasy was, you know, was a, was a different life. But then, you know, after that, I, I decided I wanted to do some other things and we started traveling around the world and we shot travel videos and we created guidebooks. And then after that, I decided I wanted to do masterminds. And after that, I decided I want to do coaching. And right now I'm writing a book called I Like You Better in Italy, you know? And so I don't think there's a supposed to do. I think that deep inside of us, we have a gravitational electric pull, for lack of a better word, that the universe, God, you know, whatever is calling you to, and we either ignore it and say, no, I'm supposed to do this, or we acknowledge it and we experience it. So that's how I'd answer that. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. And again, I think this is a great conversation for my community because I think there's so many people that, I mean, even really successful people that have, and your story resonates, but they have successful businesses and they've got great investments or they're, you know, like really high earning W2 and, but we're, I feel like we're always just looking for something else. So like, I guess my direct question, when I hear what you said about like your wife's observation about you being happier in Italy, um, how, like, how did that elaborate on that? Cause you were talking about how that led you to, I mean, you went to the coaching call and I'm sure you were off kilter with all that. Anyway, explain to me what that thought process was like number one, she kind of just rattled your cage, but you know, how do you, how do you speak to somebody that's like, whether their wife sees it or they see it, they're unhappy in their circumstance. Most people will just stay there. They'll just stew in their unhappiness. But the thing I've noticed about you is like, you guys are action takers and you're very clear when you want something, um, just having talked to you, like you're very clear on what that is. You get really clear on it and then you just make it happen. So explain to me like what that journey looked like after your wife said that. Well, it was honestly, it was like soul searching. Like I really had to do some deep soul searching. And I remember I talked to one of my friends, you know, a lot of times if you take the time to journal, I, I, I'm a journaler, I journal in the morning and I will, you know, I'll ask myself a prompt at the beginning of my journaling and I'll try and just journal out the answer to whatever the question is. And so I don't recall what the exact question was, but Somehow, I, I, you know what I think it was? I think I wrote down, um, why do, why am I after a goal of $10 million? I remember that was the question. Why do I want 10? Like that was the thing that was in my head. I want 10 million bucks. And when I asked that question, I remember talking to a friend of mine and he said to me, and I'll never forget this. He said, well, where did that, where did that come from? And I was like, I don't. I don't really know. He said, well, you had to get like, why 10 million? I said, well, 10 million would probably throw off a couple hundred thousand bucks a year. And I can live off the interest of that money. And he said, well, how did you arrive at that? I said, well, that's kind of like, you know, what I was making as a chiropractor somewhere in, in that range, you know, maybe three, 400 net. So it would allow me to do that. And then I went, oh, hold on. I remember my friend Darren. And he said, your friend Darren. I said, yeah, we were talking one day, we were setting our goals. And he's like, I want 10 million. I was like, why do you want 10 million? He said, because it'll throw off about what we're making. I was like, okay, that's a great goal. I just wrote it down. 
I held on to his goal for 20 years. It wasn't mine. It made sense to him. Not that there's anything inaccurate about the, you know, the validity of the goal, but the point is it wasn't mine. It was his goal, right? And, you know, I had a similar experience with our mutual friend, uh, Chris Harder. We had dinner once in Beverly Hills with a few other friends. And we're all going around a table and we're talking about how much money we want, uh, how much money we want to generate for the next year. And, you know, these guys are, you know, I want 10 million, 20 million, whatever. And they get to me and I said, I want 2 million. And they said, 2 million. Chris said specifically, 2 million. Why do you want 2 million? I said, <laughs> because it sounds like a lot. And he said, that's a horrible answer. And we did a Zoom the next day, and he brought me through this process that really changed the game for me. And it was a dream life budget process. And it was simply, tell me exactly how much your current expenses are to the penny. And he made me pull out every nickel of it. Then he said, tell me what your dream looks like. And I was like, well, you know, we're living in Italy. We have a villa and we have a Tesla and blah, 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 blah. And when I got really clear on what that number looks like, I looked like I realized I was spending way more than I thought I was. But my dream for what I want actually wasn't that expensive. It really was not that much different. It was, it was like a couple hundred thousand dollars different. So I had this like I made this like I'll never be able to have reached this dream. But when I really wrote it down and added it up and looked at like, you know, not like, you know, the Elton John dream of like, you know, seven houses and, you know, a house in Saint Tropez. And it would, but like the next thing, like what was the next thing that you wanted? And I looked at that and I was like, oh, it's really not that much. And it motivated me to say, I think I can do this, you know? And I think the other pieces, I, I you know, I don't know who said know thyself, maybe Shakespeare. Um, but I realized when I looked at the thread of my life, I realized that. I have a heart and uh, I have a heart for the experience of life, the art and experience of life, let's call it. And I realized I was following other people's blueprints, which is why I always felt behind. And I needed to find my life and what I wanted to do. And I remember one day we were watching uh, Stanley Tucci, who did a, a show called Searching for Italy. And um, he said, you know, my, my dad, my mom and my dad did a year sabbatical in Florence and I was 12 and that year changed my life. And I remember that that like, it hit me. It hit me for my daughter who's eight and eight now, but you know, six at the time. It hit me in retrospect to the 90 days that I spent here and how I felt when I was here versus how I felt when I was in LA. And it just felt right. And so in that moment, I was like, okay, let's, let's make this happen. So I called the attorney and went to the consulate and wound up getting a visa. And then we, we moved here. But I'll tell you, I'll, I'll take a beat so you can ask another question. But the trigger was still in me. The trigger didn't leave. It was not like I got here and life changed. Yeah, so interesting. And my, my marketing guy hasn't loved this, but when I think about financial freedom, again, investing for freedom podcast, I've really summed this up. When I swim upstream, when I'm having a conversation with anyone, like, why do you want financial freedom? I've just brought it down to REM, not like the band. You and I are old enough to know that. Some of the people I talk to are yeah. like, what the hell? Who's REM? But um, Isn't that funny? Yeah. Relationships, experiences, and memories. And I don't know if there's anybody that like exemplifies this. I think it's you just watching. And so I want to kind of elaborate on what you just said about, um, well, let's go back. So when you, you were in Italy, you went to California and you just, you immersed back into like the American hustle culture. And I've been thinking about this a lot. I feel like I'm in a season of, um, I'm like ready to grind again. Um, you know, my, my entire adult life, Kara and I, we've talked about this, like it was raising kids because we got married young, had our first kid when I was 20, no, 21. Um, built a business, started at 24. Like our, our youngest is leaving the house. And I'm kind of like at this point where I'm actually really struggling and I don't, I don't want to turn this into a coaching session, but I'm, I'm really struggling because this version of me that I built has been very 
um, you know, I've, I've had some success and we've built businesses and investing, but I also, I've traveled the world with my kids. I've been present. We've had dinners together. Like, I feel like I've been very present. In fact, I actually think the one area that kind of lacked in my world was, um, you know, friendships and that kind of stuff, because we were so focused on business and, and kids that I think I lacked on some of the personal friendship stuff. But I'm kind of in this season where I'm like, I'm ready to like, go big, but also like, I'm really struggling. I don't want to get back into like, you know, this hustle culture. And when you're talking about like going from call to call, so I'm just curious, I'll, I'll toss it back to you, but Italy slowed you down for a minute. You come back, you're, you're, you're better in Italy. I love what you said. You didn't just get into the Italian culture. So I'd love to hear a little bit about, um, you know, what that process looked like for you and some of the realizations and maybe the differences in the culture. Yeah. I mean, you know, the first thing is, um, you're in an interesting stage now. How old are you? I'm 44. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's it. Like it's that 40 to 50 range, you know, kids, the kids start getting out unless you're old Wait, like are, me. Are you saying I should get a Corvette and like <laughs> an earring? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, when you really, really think about those things that you mentioned, so a couple of things come to mind. The first is, defining when enough is enough right so if you if you ask any entrepreneur that's in our world they're going to be like it's never enough i always want to grow and i'm always going to do more and I, there's so many more tony robbins seminars i could go to you know it's impact. never enough impact i want to you know, legacy i want to play you know play bigger you know all these things but what i realized um like i'll give you an example I'll tell you how this this trigger was still in me until I noticed this. So um, I'm going to have to bounce around a couple of yeah. different areas. I was in probably here for about a year. And it was my friend Darren's 50th birthday party. And he wanted to go to Sicily. So um, me and a bunch of our, our other friends um, – went to Sicily. It was easy, easy for me because I live in, in Florence, but you know, Chris and Lori and uh, my friend, Matt, and a couple other people, they all flew in from the States and we were all sitting around a table one night and, you know, we're coaches and podcasters and authors. And so all we do is ask each other and drill each other questions, you know? And so somebody said, well, let's go around and ask each other our favorite podcast question. And um, one of the guys said to me, I got a question for, and you had to pick the person. Person said, I got a question for Rob. And I was like, yep. I said, why don't you play bigger? And I went, why don't I play bigger? And I remember feeling like I shrunk. Mm -hmm. I felt embarrassed. I felt my God, this person is right. I'm not playing bigger and I need to step up my game. And then I woke up the next morning pissed like you know when you wake up pissed like i had clarity and i was pissed and i woke up and i was like screw you i just moved my family from la for a better life in florence didn't know anybody new language new culture i'm playing bigger in my relationship i'm playing big, bigger in my family i'm playing bigger in my health i'm playing bigger in my life i'm playing bigger in community and i was like you know what playing bigger means to you playing bigger means to playing bigger for you is code for making more money that's what it really is and so it was like in that moment that i realized that I still had that trigger that was in me. It wasn't triggered because I wasn't around the LA community to trigger it. But when LA came to Italy, it triggered me. And I went, oh, that's still in there. So then I had to think about that and say, okay, well, now I'm clear about that. Well, when is enough enough? You know, like, when is it? Is it 10 million? Is it 100 million? Is it 1 million? Like, what is it? What's, is there a number? And then I came up with this idea that has served me and a lot of people have used it. And the idea is enough is enough when it, when it erodes the bandwidth for a great life. Mm. So circling back to your, your question about 
wanting to dive back in. If you wanting to dive back in doesn't erode the life that you imagine for yourself, then dive back in. But if you're working because you haven't clearly identified all those categories of your life that you want to fulfill that have nothing to do with work, but your actual life, I want to learn about wine. I want to travel. I want to learn another language. I want to, you know, whatever it is, I want to write a book, whatever the non-work related things are. If you were to write a vision, a one-page narrative on what your life looks like that has nothing to do with work, that got you excited, and then you looked at work. If that work erodes the bandwidth that you have to accomplish what's in that vision, for me, enough is enough. Mm. And so, you know, I've got a, I've carved out things now in my day that are, you know, I, I wake up, I take the kid to the bus stop in the morning. I spend an hour with the wife having coffee. I write my book for two hours. I go to the gym for another couple hours. I come back. Um, I work maybe two or three hours and that's it. So when somebody asked me to go speak, you know, at a John Deere convention for the $15,000 that they want, I got to get on the plane, fly there, go to Nebraska and talk to talk to these guys and then come back, right? Well, that completely erodes in the life that I envisioned for myself. So for me, enough is enough. The Italians, the word for enough is basta, not pasta, but basta with a B. Basta. It's enough. Does that make sense? Yep. Totally. So it's, it's kind of funny because like, even as you're saying that, I was on a walk yesterday morning and because we're doing 28 hard, not 75 hard, but 28 hard because we're going to Lake Powell and we just want to do a reset and a cleanse and all this stuff. And so I'm on a walk. Um, and I see this guy walking and this is the first time I've said this out loud too, but I see this guy and his wife walking and it's like, it's like nine 30 in the morning. And I start judging him, Rob. I'm like literally out walking and I'm like, what does this guy do? Does, does he even like work? Cause he's out like walking, (laughs) he's out walking with his dogs and his wife and his kid. I'm like, well, maybe he only, you know, maybe he works the weekends. And I like, I realize as I'm listening to you. I didn't even really process what I was thinking about this guy yesterday, which just really is not even about that guy. It's like the mindset that's in our brain, nine to five. It's so programmed. Like, I, I feel like this is just a system that we've created. So I'm really curious in, I guess in, in Italy, like how did they preserve this and what is this? Like, how did we get here? You have to, you have to really look at comparing apples to apples, right? We are apples and oranges the uh, the Italians versus the Americans, just in terms of the country. And there's a reason for that. So Italy has been around, I mean, the place I just told you in Sicily, we went uh, with Chris and Lori and Matt and Darren, a bunch of other guys, we went to this Coliseum. It was 3,200 years old, 3,200 years old. It's an outdoor amphitheater, okay? America's 200 years old. So this country is 3,000 years older. Well, what does that mean? It means that it has been through war, famine, invasions, and they hit a point here, particularly in Florence, in uh, around the 1400s, where they came out of the Dark Ages and the Middle Ages, and they said, that's it, no more, we're done. And they started something called humanism, which is exactly what it sounds like, and You've heard the term the Renaissance. Well, it started here in Florence. And the Renaissance was basically, we're going to value art, culture, wine. And so what came out of that is Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci, and everything from there went straight up through to Ferraris, you know, pizza, opera, like it was all invented here. Because they hit a point where they said, no more. When you look at America and you look at where we are and this level of unrest, they had unrest here for thousands of years. And we're just in it right now in America. You know, there's 
zero shootings in Italy. Zero. Doesn't exist. There, there's not one. And in America, I think last year there was 705 mass shootings. It's unbelievable when you look at those two. The Surgeon General just said that loneliness is the biggest epidemic in America right now. So when you look at America, America was founded on what they call rugged individualism, rugged individual. We have defenses around our house. I'm not going to ask you for help. We get in our cars, we go into our suburbs, and we're alone. That is not the way it is here. When you talk about the guy who is walking down the street and you look at him like, what does he do? It is the most asked question that somebody from the US asked somebody. And I did it too for the first two years until one time somebody said to me, we, we, don't, we don't ask that question. And it was a friend and I was like, and I was embarrassed, but I was like, what? I, I know that nobody's ever asked me what I do. Why is that? He said, because when we get together, we get together because we want to get away from work. We get together because we want to blow off steam. We get together because we understand that work has us bound tight and we need the interaction with each other to talk about life and food. All they talk about is food. I've had more conversations about gelato and olive oil than I've ever had in my life in the last two years. It's all they talk about. Because they recognize the, that they're, they, they don't do anything too much. They don't eat too much. They don't drink too much. They don't um, work too much. They have recognized true balance in life and they don't care. They take the month of August off. The country is closed during the month of August. At noon or one o'clock the latest, Stores shut down and they reopen at three and four in the afternoon every day. Monday morning, the stores don't open until 12 or one. That is not the way that we live in America. We want to squeeze every last productivity hack that we could. They don't care about productivity at all. They care about life. They care about connection. They care about community. Well, guess what you have? You have the greatest food in the world the greatest cars, arguably, certainly the most beautiful to look at. You've got people who live longer than anywhere in the world. The incidence, even in spite of the fact that they all smoke, the incidence of, of heart disease and cancer doesn't even compare to what we have in the States. So we're killing each other in the States. We're obese. We're dying young. And yet somehow we think this is the way to keep going. It's not. Somebody's got to interrupt the pattern and go enough and taking the time to define, like with your podcast, investing for freedom, lean on the second part, lean on the freedom part. What does that look like? And to think like Bill Gates just last week did a commencement speech at a college and he said, if I could tell you one thing, I wish I, I took more time off. And I know you think it's easy for me to say because I'm, I'm Bill Gates. He said, but I can tell you, I remember looking out in the parking lot and I'd look to see who came in early and who left early. And he said, I just realized now that life is meant to be lived. And it is, you know, so that's my two cents. That's so good. I remember when I lived in Phoenix. Karen and I got recommended by an, an Uber driver, actually. Hey, you got to go to this Italian restaurant. And it's in Scottsdale. I don't remember the name of it, but he's like, it's like legit Italian. So we went there and I was excited to eat legit Italian food. But what I didn't realize is it's like legit Italian. The server was like, this is the last day that we're open. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, we're closing for 45 days. And I'm like, why? And he said, well, the, the, we all go back to Italy every year for 30 days. And they like literally shut their restaurant down, even in the, and this was mind boggling to me because I'm like, you Mike, can't do that. Mike, I walk out my door. They call it Ferragusto. Ferragusto means August 15th in Italian. I walk outside my door. They take a piece of paper and scotch tape and they write Ferragusto on the door. That means goodbye. They don't give a shit. They 
don't care at all. We're gone. And they leave for the entire month. And then they come back and they open the door. And guess what? Nobody dies. They're out at the sea and they're in, and they all go to the sea, right? Because it's hot. And they love life to the fullest and the, you know, the and so anyway, I now this this is my second year here. The entire group of friends I have, I don't know what any of them do for a living. Wow. I swear to God. One night I was having a conversation with this guy. We went out to dinner, Alberto is his name. And we were talking about somehow bonds came up. And I was like, you really know a lot about bonds. He said, I've been doing it for 25 years. I said, oh my God, I've, we've been friends for a year. What are, are you a bond broker? He said, yeah, I'm a bond broker. I was like, I never even asked you. He said, well, that makes sense. Like it's, it doesn't come up and I don't even think about it coming up. That is not where the conversation is until somebody from America comes to visit me and then it just always comes up. So I got this other theory that I call nature, nurture, and neighborhood. So like you can't, you can't change your nature. Like it's just, you know, you can work on it, but it's tough. It's kind of who you are. You can't change your nurture. That's how you, that's how your mama and daddy raised you. But when you change your neighborhood, everything changes. And I know that if you put me back in LA, I will be triggered by the surroundings. And I will, I'll fight it, but eventually LA is going to win and I am going to feel less than, I'm going to feel behind, I'm going to feel lonely, and I am going to just get caught up in that world. So forcing myself, and I'm using forcing in quotes, but forcing myself to live in an environment that values life at the level that Florence, where I live in, values it. For me, it's like, you know how the stock market has curbs, it can't go too high or too low. For me, these are like the curbs that I have in place that keep me from going too far off the rails. Yeah. So I guess a loaded practical question. I have three friends that, I mean, you would probably recognize their name. Um, two of them are extreme, have like, you know, 18 different passports, have renounced their US citizenship. Like, so when I hear that, like, give me some practical, like, how do I, I mean, other than relocating to Italy, like when you say that, you know, when you go back to LA, LA is going to win. Let's circle back. Like, what do we do? Like, how do we, like, how do we, do we have to go to Italy? No, you don't have to go to Italy. And I think the answer to that is taking the time to identify the areas of your life that you want to improve and getting a clear vision for what each of those areas look like. Mm. and fighting through business. You know, it's kind of like, you know, guys always go to the gym and they always work, you know, their chest and girls <laughs> always go to the gym and work there. It's like the muscle, you know. Yeah. So when I get a coaching client and they reach out to me, they're like, you know, okay, here's a better example. When I have guys who cashed out of companies and they're like, okay, I got all this money. So I'm going to live the Italian dream. I'm going to move to Italy. I'm going to move to Tuscany, right? I'm going to buy a, a villa in Tuscany. They struggle. They really struggle because they don't know what to do. They don't know what else to do other than work. And so guess what? Sometimes they lose and they just open another company and they do it again. And the wife says, I'm out of here. And they get one of getting the boy. I've had it happen three times where the wife said, you said this was over. You said this was the last one. And they didn't. It's because they don't know what else to do. They haven't identified. They've gotten really, really clear about the departments in their business. They got really clear about, you know, what marketing does and, you know, what advertising does. They understand all the areas of their business, but they're not clear on their life and they're not clear on what they want to learn, where they want to travel to. If they want to learn about you know, whatever, they, they don't know what it is. And if you don't know what it is, you're just going to default to what you know, which is work. Mm -hmm. You're just going to keep doing it. Yeah. But what are we working for in the first place? So no, you're not screwed, but you have to take the time to get clear. And I think I love investing for freedom because it really, what I hear in that is work hard, play hard. That's just, you know, like one way of looking at it. And that freedom piece is what is freedom? Mm -hmm. Like, 
is it Bill Gates? Is it Elon Musk? Is it me? Is it you? And everybody's different. Everybody has their own version of what that looks like. And for me, I quantified it and said, I know that for if I generate $350,000 a year, I am living a life beyond my wildest dreams. Mm-hmm. Now, it's up to me. Am I going to try and make that three fifty seven hundred, Or am I going to allow that three fifty to just be three fifty? And when I hit it, I'm going to lean into it and I'm going to find new ways to explore my life and to do something more meaningful. Yeah, it's it's so good. And I like I sold my business in 2014 and I've often said it was the best and worst day of my life because I had never really thought about, you know, what who is Mike outside of this business and two years, like literally two years of like, what's next? Who am I without this company? And um, so I think that kind of anchored me. Um, what's some practical, uh, so obviously you have your coaching, you have your trips, which we haven't even touched on, but I have a question around that if we get to it, but what are some practical tools that we can utilize to go through that process of finding, you know, what is it for us? And one little sidebar, I was just having this conversation yesterday. One of my greatest mentors worth, you know, a quarter of a billion dollars. Um, two years ago, I was in his living room in steamboat and somebody asked him the question, when is enough enough? Oh, that's so and, funny. Yeah. And his answer was, you know what? I, I have enough. He said, I'm having fun. I'm enjoying what I'm doing. And when I'm no longer having fun, when I'm no longer enjoying this, then that's when enough is enough for me. And it's kind of interesting because two years later, I just recently, probably 30 days ago, heard him say that, you know, he's he's hired multiple people. He's hired somebody, you know, a, a high performing person to run his fund and has really like stacked people in his organization. And he's like, I'm focused on my kids. He's like, I'm not having fun. I'm not enjoying this. And it doesn't mean that, you know, but he's like, I'm working like four hours a week now. And I was just, it was interesting hearing that in a two year time frame that he made that shift. So what are some practical, yeah, what's, uh, well, well, listen, what that guy did was he got clear about when enough is enough for him. And he said, I, I've got enough, right? So he defined it. Somebody else could look at him and say, dude, you're just getting started. Or somebody else could look at him and go, dude, you're doing just fine. Don't worry about it. So the discernments that you have of when enough is enough for you is the first place um, to get started. The second place, like if I had to put it in order, I would say, you know, we have a mutual, fr- um, do you, you know, Chris Goodman, right? No. Oh, you haven't met him. Okay. He was in Chris's mastermind. Um, he's a coach. And I remember when I was torn living in LA and I asked him this question and he's, you know, should I go, should I stay in LA? Should I move to Italy? That's when I was thinking about it. And he said, well, if you had two years left to live and he didn't even get the question out of his mouth, but he said, if you had two years left to live, where would you live? Because I said to him, I said, L.A. feels like a 10 for me. I'm surfing. The weather's great. I got cool friends, you know, but Italy is Italy and pasta and gelato and wine and blah, blah. It's a 10. And I was stuck. And he's like, well, if you had two years left to live, where would you live? And that reframing made me think about what I would do if I actually had two years left. So the first thing I would do is I would actually ask that question. If you had two years left to live. Um, where would you live? What would you do? What would your life look like? You know, those, those deeper questions. And then I would force yourself to create a one page narrative that described what your life looks like, but you are not allowed to include anything that has a dollar sign or business in it. And then the third thing I would do is after I have that, I would make a simple, um, vision board with all the imagery so that you can see it. And I'd hang it in the kitchen and I'd look at it and make sure that it feels right. And if that feels right, then what I would do is say, okay, now let's make a dream life budget. Let's figure out how much that costs and work it out the other way. Instead of working it out from a business perspective, work it out from a life perspective, because your whole podcast investing for freedom is so they can have freedom. You're not telling them invest. You know what I mean? You're not saying invest to invest. You're saying invest to, like it is, it's a bridge. Invest to freedom. Okay. Well, how about we define what freedom actually means? Yeah. And every, you know, and be careful because the answers you're going to give are going to be like, 
so I can do what I want with who I want whenever I want as often as I want. Okay, but what does that mean? Yeah. What are you doing with who, where, when? And nobody takes the time to do that because they, they you know, I, I, this is really interesting. Uh, one of my friends who's here, he his, he's a big company. And he said, you know, for the last 20 years, we've been asking um, everybody what their goals are. And we asked them for like a monetary number. Like, what is, what is it? And he said, we started with junior associates and we went all the way to the C-suite people. And he goes, you know what the number was? And I said, well, I don't know how I can know what the number a junior associate in the C-suite is. He said, it's actually pretty simple. I said, what is it? It's three times whatever they were currently making. And I went, you're kidding me. He said, nope. Every goal, if they made 100, they wanted three. When they made three, they wanted nine. He said, it is a moving target that you cannot hit. Because when you run a marathon, 26.2 miles is there. But when you hit the target, you go, oh, now I want to run three marathons. Yeah. It doesn't stop. Yeah. It's interesting too, because I I work with this marketing consultant, been working with him for seven, eight years on the capital raising side. And he's been telling me, like, Mike, we need to, we need to identify like the seven levels of financial freedom. And I'm like, well, I have them. It's relationship, it's time, it's geographic. And he's like, no, 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 no. They have to be like enlightenment. They have to be like monetarily. And I was like, bro, we're not speaking the same language. And, but it's hard for me to like, because again, investing, yes, we need to invest and yes, we need money, but like, what's that number? It's so, it's so profound and enlightening. In fact, before this episode, there's a good friend of mine who was a dentist that rolled up his businesses um, to a private equity group. And he literally just put a post in a group that I'm in. And he said, hey, next year's my 25th wedding anniversary. I want some bucket list ideas. My wife has always wanted to go to Greece, but we still have one kid at the house. So I probably can't spend more than one week. And I'm just sitting here looking at this and I'm like, man, this feels all backwards. It is. It is because it is the muscle he knows. So he's going to do the same thing. Because let me tell you, it's hard to do the work on your marriage and figure out why you're not in love like you were when you first met each other. It's hard to figure out how you connect with your children in a meaningful way. You Like all of these areas are work. Actually working is easier in many ways than doing the things that matter in your life. So taking the time to figure out what they are is just so important. So good. What, I want to be cognizant of your time. What have we not covered that you really want to cover? And I really hesitate to ask you, what do you do? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it's it's totally fine. You know, I tell you, it's it's interesting. I, I listened to this thing. There's a guy, there's a, I don't know what he does really, but his name's John D. Martini. Mm. And somebody turned me on to him. And it was fascinating what he said. He was talking about values, right? And he said he was in the he was in the movie The Secret. Mm. And he said, you know, they left out a part that I said, and I don't know why they left it out, but they did. And he said, we get our intrinsic values. And the interviewer had asked him to explain that. He said, well, kind of like to what you were saying about your reticular activating system. He said, if you have like, you know, let's say you have a wife who has, you know, she's 25 years old or 30 years old. She's got three kids and her highest value is her children. And then let's say her husband is an entrepreneur, his highest value is business. When they walk into a mall, the wife is going to notice things for the kids, you know, lunch boxes, clothes. He's going to walk into the mall. He's going to notice suits, how busy the stores are because he wants to buy stock in it, you know, and they're going to see two completely different things. So when you're in alignment with your highest value, you see it everywhere, right? The reticular activating system sees it. Well, that goes into the frontal lobe of the brain, right? But when you set a goal for something that is just some goal that you don't really care about, like for me, I don't care about having a Ferrari, but if I had that goal in front of me, it actually goes into the amygdala and triggers fight or flight because it's not something that's in alignment with what you want. Mm. And so you could try and watch the secret all day long and manifest, but if it doesn't represent a highest value, it is very difficult. So I went through this process of thinking about, well, what are my values? And I came up with something really simple that 
just hit me. And as soon as I said it, I was like, oh my God, this is it. I'm a writer that lives in Tuscany. Like that was it. Like it was literally that. <laughs> and I went, like I'm living off book royalties, living in Tuscany. And that made me feel so excited and so alive and in such alignment. Now I'm doing other things. I do these events. I do coaching. I have a podcast, blah, blah, blah. But really, like if you ask me like, like, like what's on my heart right now in terms of my value, and that gets dumped right into the frontal lobe of my brain, and you're willing to deal with the pain pleasure that comes with that. Like, I, you know, sitting, sometimes staring at a blinking cursor when you're trying to come up with a word is tough, but it, it's exciting tough because I'm, I'm, I want to do it. I want to share. That's why I reached out to you and I was like, I want to talk about this. I want to be, I, I want to share this because I'm passionate about it, you know, but I hope that helps. Yeah. So when, when is this book coming? Well, uh, December 31st, I gave myself the deadline to, to write these 300 damn pages. Um, and, uh, I'll do it. So, uh, after that, probably I'm guessing the first quarter of the year. Nice. Well, you're, you're one of those guys that I think I could have on over and over. So let's make sure we, uh, we, we get back together on the book launch. So, um, you got it. what else? What I know I already asked that once, but I, I kind of, I, I think, I think, I think we nailed it. I, I think, you know, really the takeaway that I, I would love your listeners to get from this is they're listening to investing for freedom for a reason. And that reason is they want freedom. Mm. Define freedom, mm. but don't give it an airy fairy definition. Give it a real definition. Like if you had the freedom, mm. what would you do? Where would you be? What would you be learning? Where would you be living? What would your body look like? What would your connection to your, like define that. And then when work gets in the way of that, that's when enough is enough. Beautiful. Love it. Where, where do these people track you down? Cause I'm sure they're going to want to. The, uh, my new podcast, I started a new one. Uh, it's called the next chapter. Sweet. I love it. Well, as always, man, super inspiring. Appreciate your time. Appreciate who you are. Um, to me and to the world. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. If you found value in this episode and you know someone who's wanting to start or move further along in their journey toward investing for freedom, I would be forever grateful if you would share this show with them and help me get this message out to more listeners. Also, if you enjoy what you've heard, I would appreciate it if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. And until the next episode, cheers to moving further along in your journey of investing for freedom.